Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 134 of Two Left Thumbs, the best gaming podcast you've heard in at least 15 seconds. I'm your host, Puppies, and joining me today, it's Matt. How you doing, man? Hey, Puppies, how you doing? I'm, I'm pretty good. Yeah, that's good. Um, have, have, have you been? What have you been up to? Um, I'm kind of making this game, you know? Uh... It's called uh, Apollo, a co-op game, and you might have heard of it because you asked me to come on your show about it. I, I, I well, I'd, I'd seen it around. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, for, for those for those who are listening, I, I may I may not know yourself or Apollo, uh, just playing at home, going, "What the fuck is going on?" I don't know. Um, how they could not have heard of me at this point, honestly. Terrible, terrible, living under a fucking rock, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Who are you, and um, and and what are you, what are you, what are you doing on the internet these days? Uh, my name is Matt Borges. I'm a museum game maker. So a lot of people ask me, like, oh, so you make games for museums, or do you make games that are museums? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of both, kind of neither. Um, I just got started in college making games uh, for this uh, museum and generally just was like, oh my God, I want to do educational stuff like this forever um, because it was this type of game that was educational, but it wasn't like Math Blaster. It's like, what's two plus two and then five points and a little achievement for it. It's something a lot more involved with history and stuff and i was like oh my god done that's me and that's what i've been doing professionally and that's what i decided to do with apollo a co-op game is to like give people access to history from from the pilot seat right yeah so right that's sort of what so, i've been doing that, that's that's really cool um talk to me more about again Museum games, something I haven't, a term I haven't actually heard before, which is kind of brilliant. <laughs> I like it. Um, so how, how did how did you get into that kind of line of work to start with? Um, yeah, I guess we're we're going to life story territory. Uh, oh, always, it's... mate, always. <laughs> okay, so I was in community college, um, which you're not in America. Are you? You have an accent. No, I'm not. I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of familiar with the terminology. It's kind of. So you sure. you have to you have to bear with me. I'll, I'll I'll nod. There's a few there's a few American um listeners though. They'll they'll have they'll know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Um, sure. Uh, just to give the tiniest bit of context because I, I think it's super important. Uh, most Americans I feel like have this impression where you get out of high school and you go straight to a four year university, four year college or bust, right? Um, right. But there's also the option of community college, which is much lower cost and gives you the opportunity to like, you know, just like explore your major, try it out before you invest a hundred thousand dollars in student debt, uh, that sort of stuff. Right, so you, 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 really you, you don't spend like you don't spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on just something you have no idea about. You you actually try it out first. Exactly. I mean, like, what eighteen-year-old oh. is ready to decide what they want to do for the rest of their life, right? <laughs> and invest that much into it that early? Like, that's like, I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I was different. I, I, I was, I started my career when I was like sixteen because I'm, I'm weird. Wow. Um, but we're not all that uh, um, self-driven, I guess. I was hardly um, self-driven. I had parents kind of like, "You need to do work or join the army." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> not joining the army. This is fine." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's good uh i was the opposite at 16 i oh my god my grades were terrible like in high school coming out of high school i had done so bad through school that i didn't even want to apply to college that's my secret reason for going to community college not because it was better which it was but i was just like hating school hating education i didn't want to have anything to do with it for the rest of my life but in that community college, I did this short little internship for a professor, um, just, you know, helping students debug their games and stuff. We had a games program, 
at the community college, which is insane. Uh, if anyone is near Moore Park, California, and wants to go to Moore Park Community College for games, great program. Anyways, uh, at the end of the internship, he, the professor was like, hey, this museum around here is uh, hiring for interns, and I would give you a good recommendation if you went for it. And I was like, museum? Mm, I don't know. I guess. I, I'm an artist as a game designer, so I guess it would be cool to learn about the gallery space or whatever. Something like that. In, so I go in, and check in, it in out. Typical, in typical like, teen forms, it's all whatever. It's, exactly. it's cool. <laughs> right? This is why an 18-year-old is not ready to make life decisions. Um, so I go over and they show me this It is kind of insane. It is not just some museum. It was actually for the United States National Archives and Records Administration. And they had this game in this room called the Situation Room Experience. And the whole idea is 30 to 40 people, uh, usually a high school class, come in and everyone gets an iPad and it's like, you're the secretary of state, you're the attorney general, you're the deputy press secretary, right? Here's a national crisis, go. And because it's the National Archives and Records Administration, somehow these guys got access to the interior of the White House Situation Room. Like... In 2006, they renovated the Situation Room, so they took down all the paneling, the table, the chairs, the microphones, everything, and they just kept it in a warehouse. And then these guys called them up and was like, hey, can we borrow that? And so they totally recreated this White House room uh, that real presidents used for real national crises. And they're like, let's have high schoolers play in here, obviously. <laughs> um, and, I mean, that sort of explains the attitude of the whole thing it's like really bold it's like giving high schoolers this like respect and this you know access to history that they they just don't get anywhere else right um so i worked there for like a couple of years as a proctor helping them uh do the game and also like uh, edit some things the tutorial etc um, and what happened was I just realized over time, oh my God, I didn't think I would like education, but I'm loving every day that I work here. Uh, there was this kid from a really low resource school, um, that came in and, you know, we, we were all wearing sh uh, shirts and ties and suits and we all show them to the White House, which is the real White House room, and we sit them down in these nice chairs and give them an iPad. And it's like, what can I do for you, sir? Right? And you could tell that that was the first time this kid was ever treated with real respect in his life. And he told us. And I was like, all right, that's it. Uh, why would I spend my life um, making art games in service of myself when I could really make an impact like this, I want to do stuff like this. So that's how I got into it. That's 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 amazing, man! Like to have that 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 sort of um, that sort of drive for, for those motives is incredible. Um, I, I mean, it's insane luck. Yeah, that it just happened to me. You know, that, that, that's really good. Um, so you you said you 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 were originally going in looking at um artistic style of games what were you looking at exactly before you kind of diverged um well the classic example is journey but i i was very snobby i was like mm, journey isn't very advanced in an art theory sense uh i want to make something a little crazier a little wilder and um maybe something shorter more gallery space sort of and there's there's actually lots of this stuff 
Um, after community college, I got into, uh, I transferred into USC Games, and there's a program there, like there's the games program, and then there is a program called MAP, Media Arts and Practice, which is unfortunately the major uh, that I didn't know existed that I probably would have applied to when I was 18. And that is making this interactive digital stuff for museums, for events, for all sorts of stuff, right? Messing with technology right. for that kind of things. Um, instead, I got into the games program and now I'm making video games. And it's, it's interestingly adjacent. I'm still satisfied. I'm still very happy about it. Nice, nice. Um, so um, let's let's talk about the the game you are working on, um, Apollo, a co op game. Um, tell tell me some more about it, the the basis for it, um, what what people will be experiencing when they play. Sure. Uh, so Apollo, a co op game, is an asymmetrical multiplayer game where one astronaut player on a PC or a Mac or an Oculus Quest headset, uh is the astronaut and they're in these like beautifully recreated interiors of the actual apollo spacecraft um i mean like we can get down to the hex color of paint that was used on the things because the stuff is so well documented so it's really beautifully recreated by our 3d artist lucas schwarzer uh and then we have the mission commanders they are on any internet enabled device phone, computer, smart TV, maybe, I don't know. I, I'll double check on that before I make that claim. Uh, they get the, Ma the NASA you know, mission control console uh, where they get some information uh, about how to you know, explain to the, the player how do you play, uh, what you're doing, and the mission commanders also get these primary source documents like schematics that were actually used by nasa and they use those to solve puzzles uh and little disaster scenarios and those disaster scenarios are things that actually happened in the apollo space program we have a demo available right now which is a really condensed uh alternate sort of recreation of the apollo 13 disaster this is a very much in development game we're at the start of it, right? Uh, and our demo is only inside the lunar lander. So what we explored was uh, the, the Apollo 13 disaster was a ruptured oxygen tank. And so they needed to go between one spacecraft and the other, from the lander to the command module. Uh, and they needed parts from both. We were making this as a student project in school, so we weren't going to model two massive rooms. We just didn't have the time and resources. So we explored, what if they were just in the lander? Could they have fixed something like this? So we pretty much developed this basis, this idea for the game, which is let's have people relive these events and explore not just what did happen, but what could have happened. How else could they have solved this problem? And what would have happened if they didn't solve the problem? And you get really interesting things coming out of that. Like, what if the astronaut dies on the mission, right? What would have happened in history? My favorite thing is this speech called In Event of Moon Disaster, which was written for the President of the United States in case the astronauts died. And the sad thing about this speech is that it's a banger of a speech like it is one of my favorites it's beautiful like you should check it out on your own time in the what's it called robe, i'm just gonna punch you in a sultry mood now yeah oh my god um in no i'm not gonna try and recite it from memory it would be too embarrassing That's okay. i won't um, put that kind of pressure on you <laughs> cool 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 well uh most people have no idea this speech exists, right? Because it never happened. Right? Yeah, I, I, I had no idea it was a thing either. I, I, I mean, I know that a lot of presidents will have speech, speeches pre-written for 
general situations or things that could happen so they're like ready to go they're not like oh we have to wait for you know speech writers and, and other people to kind of get their shit together mm-hmm. um while something's happening um i didn't realize they like, released them after the fact though that's really cool absolutely um i don't think they released most of them but the thing about the apollo program is that it's one of the best documented events in human history it's insane uh, the problem has never been for us not being able to find information. It's having too much information and trying to sort through it all. And I feel like that's the problem of why so many people know so little about the moon missions. Um, they're really hard to access. Like if you want to learn the stories, which are insane stories, you have to you know read these dense books watch these long movies or documentaries you know most people don't like documentaries we have the beautiful film apollo 13 which is a huge inspiration for us and it's an inspiration for us because it takes these really complicated things and it really smooths it out and focuses on what's the human experience of this and how can we show people what it was like and that's a really accurate retelling of the Apollo 13 disaster. I recommend it to everybody. Uh, yeah, that's a huge inspiration for us. Um, so you're, like you said before, you're still in, in early, early development with this at the moment? Very early development. Very early so development. We have a lot of pre-production done, but we are launching a Kickstarter campaign. It was gonna be in late August, but we have very recently decided to postpone by a couple months. So if you're interested in Apollo, dear listener, uh, please follow uh, our Twitter, our Facebook, at Apollo EXP, to know when we actually launch this Kickstarter campaign. That would be very helpful. Because well, um... at the moment, we're still coordinating with Kickstarter games and that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll definitely have like I'll, once we get those links, you have to share them with me, and I'll, I'll get them out to get them out to the people so they can get in there and, and have a squeeze. Because I mean, it's not often that awesome. you find um, educational games that may mm-hmm. actually be fun. Um, exactly. I mean, I, I I remember my early days. You know, you're in school, you're looking up cool math games on the internet. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. Exactly. I was really soured on the idea of these educational games we actually have a term for them um in the educational games industry now which is improving uh those games are called uh chocolate covered broccoli right because it's just broccoli it's steamed broccoli it is disgusting but they're like oh if we put in points and like sound effects and effects like kids will like it Obviously, it's yeah, a video game. Exactly, it's, it's video pretty. Games. It makes weird noises. It, it's, it's like it's like um, it's like entertaining a, a, a toddler. You just give it something shiny that makes noise, and they're set. Exactly, toddlers love chocolate sauce. Put chocolate sauce on the broccoli, you're set. Well, that sounds disgusting, right? I mean, yeah, it's, and it it's is, even worse it, because of the combination. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so. Um, so is- this is this yeah, is no, the first ahead. game you're sorry this is the first game you're making as well um is, mm-hmm. that, is that correct I mean, or am i just assuming incorrectly i mean i mean you made stuff for um that's a that's a things. complex question of like what really is a video game i've i've worked on a lot of software i'm currently working on a lot of interactive software projects um but this is my first venture with this team making a full-length video game for commercial release if that's your definition then yeah right okay cool um any any learning curves you've kind of hit along the way given that again it's not i mean you've made things like this interactive media like this before um but going to something that's more of a um something for commercial use um for private commercial use i guess um is there anything anything you've like learned along the way that's um (laughs) no i haven't learned anything making games is too easy there's no learning curve it's just like (laughs) smooth sailing it's like 
Nothing goes no. wrong. What are you talking about? Like it, it, you're only you're only you're only you're only putting things back because it's like you know what we just we just we just feel like taking our time, you know? <laughs> right. Um. I guess the most interesting things that I'm learning about is so here's here's the interview where it all gets borne out. Uh, my team is for the most part like most of the development is me and my boyfriend who is the lead programmer, right? So developing a game, developing a business, and maintaining a relationship all at the same time is a really difficult dynamic, right? It's one thing to make a game without a business. It's one thing to make a business without a game. And it's one thing to just maintain a relationship. But if you decide to do all three at the same time, you're just a masochist, honestly. Yeah, um, I've... um... That's what I am. I think I, I worked. I my, my wife are both in the same field, and we worked together briefly um, early on in our relationship, and mm-hmm. that was that was interesting because we were like you know at work twelve hours a day right next to each other in hot kitchens like just under pressure all the time, and then we would literally get in the car together and drive home, and then we'd be home, and that led to some like really interesting dynamics. I mean, we we survived through it most for the most part pretty well, um, mm-hmm. but it was it was interesting. It was touch and go there for a while. Like things got interesting because there's that weird dynamic of like you're at work and you're at home because we were both in different positions. Um, it made things like like we had to like very much segregate. Right, we talk about work here and home there. Do you have that the same the same thing? Um, we do it by hours because like even worse, uh, we are working from home. We have been the whole pandemic, right? So yeah, it's this weird experience of, I have a, a day job and then he also has a day job. And then we also work on Apollo together. And then we have, you know, us time and that's yeah. all in the same place, right? 24 <laughs> seven. So it's all about managing time and saying, this is Apollo time. This is us time, right? Right. Um, Because especially in tech and in games, when you're doing passion projects, it's easy to not have us time. Uh, And that's just kind of like, oh, it's fine. We'll just work on this some more because we have the time and it can, you can try not to get into that mentality of this, us working on, on this game is us time as well. Um, uh-huh. and, and then the Definitely. two start to mix and then you like, you have trouble separating that later on um, I can imagine exactly. especially when yeah, you're in lockdown and working from home that would be a genuine struggle man I don't know how you do it that's, that's incredible <laughs> uh, well thank you very much it just sort of happened um, no it's really interesting you know a lot of people uh, go into indie development going like it's not a sprint it's a marathon and it's like, I don't even know what to call this because it's not just the marathon of making the game. It's the marathon of maintaining this relationship, right? Yeah, right. So did you did you guys meet through the project or were you together before this? No, we were together um, when we met in community college years. Um, and it was really funny because at first, snobby, artsy me was like, I don't want to work on games with you, this really talented programmer, um, because it would taint the art. Like I was a, I was a big fan of Marina Abramovich, and she very famously is like, never uh, make art with the person you love. And I was like, mm, mm, queen, yes, of course. And so I was all like that. And he was like, no, why? I want to make a game with you. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then... Uh, one time in school, I was like, "Ah, shit! I need, I need to program this like right now. I, I'm, I'm fucked." Uh, can oh, actually, can I curse? Yeah, yeah, fuck it, oath, man. Like, I'm, I'm Australian. <laughs> it's, it's, it's part. It's Got like it. second language for me. This is very much not made for, made for children. So you should be okay. Excellent. So I was fucked. And I went to him and I was like, oh, okay, just like, please help me, help me program this. And I just had the best time. Like, it was just awesome working with him. And it still is. He is a joy to work with, which is kind of why I was really okay with just like, you know, taking the opportunity and snatching him up before some company actually pays him good money. You know what I mean? 
<laughs> get him while you can pay him cheap and when he realizes how talented he is and he can get better work anyway. So you're like, oh, you, you've got to finish this first now. You're committed. You, you, you're stuck here until you finish this now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, I tell him all the time. Um, I almost feel a little bad when we talk about it that, like, he really is one of the more talented programmers I have ever met. And I have gone to a good school with good games programmers but no um it's great he's great that's really cool it's, it's good to see relationships thriving through work um especially like again this year is the last couple of years now i mean fuck. i keep saying this year when i refer to like what's been happening with the pandemic and covid but it's been going for nearly two now and it's, it's such yep. a surreal thought um it it's, it's been it's register been a, yeah, it's it's been a struggle for um, quite a number of people, and to, and to see people thriving in that space and adapting has been something really special to see. Um, which is something I've seen a lot in um in the industry and just around is like people are like getting through this and coming out with something that they really like. It's giving them the time to work on passions they give a shit about. Um, so mm -hmm. like yeah, I've seen like, games like yours getting developed. I've seen people start um creative projects um that have gone really well as well. And they'd only started that because they had the time and thus the creative drive to kind of yeah. kind of do that, which is really, really cool. Absolutely. That's what happened to me. I was applying to game industry jobs, which looking back, I absolutely regret. Like even <laughs> spending a, a second looking at industry jobs. Um, and I probably just would have kept going had it not been for the pandemic where it was like, Oh, let let me explore some other options. Let me see what I can do, you know, uh, while I still while I'm still young, while I still have the the chance, right? Yeah, right. What's it like, um, trying to get a gig in the games industry? Uh, well, when you when you first started, I mean, I know COVID's kind of well, kicked everything around a bit, but what what's what's that application process like, and like where were you looking? If you to to give you some some scope, uh. I went to USC Games, which in the US is ranked as the number one games program. And, you know, technically it is the number one program in the world, but that's mostly due to lack of competition. Uh, and it's a very nice number to have, number one. Very cool. It means nothing when you actually go to apply to a job. Like, I was in community college slaving away like in a really bad mental health space uh working to get good grades and get into this good school um but you know what was it all for like the education was actually great um yeah i actually love usc games and very happy i went there but at the same time i sort of thought that if you got into the number one game school you could get a games job out of college or something i don't know someone would recruit you something like this i don't know childish fantasies reality uh, says no <laughs> yeah so people graduating from games programs are competing with industry professionals because the turnaround of you know people getting laid off in the industry is so huge like there's always veterans looking for jobs right all right so they're kind of they're they're filling their own vacuum and leaving a lot of not a lot of room right. for like fresh talent exactly um, fresh talent that, is that the, could be it's the classic thing of entry-level job five years required right mm. um, right i've been seeing that a bit lately um my wife has been applying for um jobs in community service work and um mm. it's particularly in like um mental health and um domestic violence assistance um mm, having the same kind of issue where it's like okay cool you need five years experience but you need this qualification but for that qualification you need to do placement and for that placement you need years experience so there's this, there's this continuous <laughs> loop of you can do this if you know how to do it but we're not going to give you the opportunity to get in there and get that done and get Absolutely. that experience under it's your sleeve biggest bs like there are you'll find games jobs that are like you need three years experience in this software and it's like that software came out one year ago what are you even talking about right 
It wasn't even there then. I'll, I'll, I'll apply for this in two years. It's fine. <laughs> but you may have to wait a little longer till someone actually can get in there with the, with the job. Um, yeah. yeah, that's 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 absolute bullshit. They need to uh, things need to be looked at like that. Like surely that's like it can't be intentional, right? Um, it's hard to say. It's honestly hard to say that it's not people going like we want to go get her, right? Someone who's going to apply even if the, you know, someone who believes themselves enough to apply to this job, even despite all these things. I don't know. No clue. Uh, hopefully I don't have to worry about that in my life. Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, you, you're technically, it's, it's like you've, you've gone out now and you're, you're giving yourself your own three years experience by, by working on something that's your own which is really cool um yeah and unfortunately and... like that's the way a lot of people are entering the games industry is by being indie first and that's terrible honestly like we don't have the market to support all the people who want to get into the games industry making their own games it's yeah. just not there you will uh go on twitter and you can really explore the whole like indie ecosystem there and it's insane there are thousands, like tens of thousands of that. indie developers. I've been right? dabbling that a little bit. And that's like how I discovered you as well. It's like, you know, I've just started following this trail of um, indie developers and people that are working in indie development. And there, yeah, there's, there's tons, man. Like mm. I was, I was, I was blown back. I'm like, how have I not heard of any of this stuff before? Like there's such a like massive market there. People like making not only independent games but really cool independent games and they're just not it's true not seeing enough traction because they're just kind of getting buried in the the void that is twitter and mm -hmm. marketing obviously for an independent um self-made title is going to be very dependent on how much you can kind of afford to put into it financially as well because that's where I'll, I'll imagine a large crux of it is is trying to fund mm -hmm. that as well because you've got to you know, exactly. you know pay people and um all that kind of thing as well. If you want multiple people working on a game, but you don't want to do it all yourself, which is, I imagine, something that not a lot of people do. Right. No, absolutely. Um, I don't remember who tweeted it, but there was a very famous tweet of someone who said, yeah, maybe the only people who buy indie games are other indie developers, but dang, there are so many indie developers. Right. <laughs> um do you think do you think we'll see that change um i know like recently especially in the last probably year or so again probably helps that there's a, there's a pandemic we've seen a, a fairly big rise in indie games well i have anyway from my perspective um do you think we'll see the market shift especially with you know the triple a studios kind of shitting the bed quite a bit um not only in um what they're like there's been an obvious drop in quality and what we're seeing from a lot of triple a developers lately you know coming out mm -hmm. i mean it's a lot of broken games kind of coming out um yeah. and people kind of turned indies and we found some really nice polished indies because again they're passion projects and people like genuinely care about what they're doing i'm not saying that people who work on triple a games don't but um I'm, it's a, it's a different beast it's yeah it's, the, the shareholders are a whole thing that yeah. they have to be concerned about um and that's getting pushed out um it's much harder to make a game in a large, like a very large team, right? It's a lot of people have this mistaken impression that, oh, if you just pour more money into a project, you can do anything. And I mean, look at Cyberpunk, right? They they poured yeah. <laughs> millions and millions, and it didn't really help them. Oh, I, I was thinking Cyberpunk when I was talking shitting the bed. I didn't want to. I didn't want to <laughs> mention games, but you brought it up, so we're, we're cool. It's all good. Um. I mean, <laughs> you know, it happened. You know, we yeah. feel bad for everyone who put in good work on Cyberpunk, right? Yeah. But it's it's a lesson, right? I feel like that's the 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 greatest thing that Cyberpunk has really contributed for people is a lesson of what to watch out for i guess yeah um see seeing games larger games launch from from someone that that, that works um 
in the space do you do you approach when you when you when you purchase a game do you approach things differently yourself um do you like now that you've seen how the sausage is made as such is it does it kind of taint your experience with video games or are you fairly kind of open-ended to like oh just going in and, and not looking at it from a um, developer point of view um yeah no it's impossible honestly to like put away the game developers eye and see like oh they did that that was neat right um but you know i've always or sort of been like so so about triple a games um ever since i you know got into the whole artsy fartsy thing um that's that's my secret i'm a really artsy fartsy person who likes those things and so like indie games have really satisfied all of that for me like um even at the level where I can look at a commercial product and see the the real like soulful merit in it, right? That's more difficult a lot of times in a AAA game uh, than it is in an indie game. So right. I've tended to really focus on indie games. Uh, partly, yeah, because I can appreciate the work that went in, and I see the credits and see how many people were working on it, and I, it blows my mind right how small teams can do big things that sort of thing yeah um so while while we're talking about you playing games let's let's talk about your influences growing up um what what games how how did gaming affect you in your younger life to kind of draw you into where you are now or did it at all or did you come strictly from an artistic side of things um actually i came to art from games because I was so I was like eight years old and I was like, uh, I don't know, I can't decide if I want to be an astronaut or the, you know, the person who designs Lego sets. Right. And right. Then as every eight year old is, you know, it's just like, you know, exactly. I, I, I could be a truck driver or I could be a superhero. You know, it's go either way. <laughs> Hard choices. Um, so then Looking back, I, I didn't know that it was this game that did it, but looking back, it obviously was. I played Shadow of the Colossus on the PlayStation 2, and I was like, that's cool. And then, you know, sometime later, I'm like, I want to make video games out of nowhere. I, I have no idea where this came from. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, Shadow of the Colossus is a really artistic beautiful masterpiece of a game even to this day i mean they just totally remade it uh for the playstation 4 and it stands up it is fantastic so i think yeah i was around eight years old i decided i want to be a game designer i don't really know what that job is that's like the ideas guy right sure yeah um and so whenever anyone asked i was just like yeah i want to be a game designer that was a convenient answer And then as I was getting older, getting into high school, getting more into art, I was like, I want to be a serious artist, but I also don't want to uh, starve or die. So maybe I can do something with software, with games and like, yeah, yeah, let's do artsy games. Let's explore the, the furthest reaches of where we can go with games, right? And in a way I haven't stopped. But in a way, I'm focusing more on the education of it. Like you can see if you take a look at Apollo, it's not about education. It's not, I'm literally not trying to convey swaths of information to people. I don't care if you know the names or dates. There's actually no historical figures in the game. This is about you. This is about your experience. And that's what I want to give to people, right? The experience of what it was like to be there at that time and to go to the moon. That's really cool. Um, do you do you have any like, um, given it's a you know what would happen or what could happen in that scenario? Um, this is more probably about player agency than anything else. But mm-hmm. are, you, is, are there any kind of like, you, you, have you allowed for like any kind of weird, um? weird strategies that could possibly work but may not have been thought of like do you think Mm. there'd be any unconventional ways to do things 
there absolutely will be. We're all about making dynamic systems where people can figure out multiple ways to do the same thing. Um, I don't know. It's a lot more... This game is really a lot less about solving puzzles than it is about the experience. Like, just as an example, we when we were developing this in school, the prototype, uh, we had a functioning game, and it was fun, and it was nice. And then we decided to add this button that, like, you press enter, and you get, like, a and then you let it go, and you get that NASA beep, that iconic, like, yep. beep, the Quindar tone. Uh, and that changed the game. Like, now people were messing around and, like, just having so much fun pretending to be astronauts. And that's what you'll see uh, in gameplay of this game. We've had a couple people stream our demo, and what always happens is a mess. Like, like they, they, they're <laughs> laughing, they're stressed, they're having, like, frantic fun. Um, even though the game is totally serious, like, we, we have this, you know, reconstruction of the spacecraft and a reconstruction of this disaster that really happened, even despite all of that, it's just a fun time. And the way people experience that in a way that isn't, like, necessarily planned like we never you know we don't sugarcoat anything we don't like lubricate it to like uh i don't know give it an atmosphere of silliness we don't do any of that but that's how people choose to do it and take it and it's great honestly like this is how but was there something that took you by surprise history. when that started happening when people started playing the demo and they're like did you expect to play people to like go into it and like i mean sure it's like you said it's a very serious not a serious tone game but it's very like this is the situation it's not like it's not sugar-coated or anything did you expect people to go in and just cause absolute chaos <laughs> um in a way i secretly hoped for it uh, <laughs> i've always been about people getting their games and playing them however they like you know i think my favorite game to this day is modded skyrim uh right with the idea that people can go on the internet and change the game with like tens of thousands of mods to make the game you want and play it however you want and it's interesting because people choose to play skyrim in such different ways like i realized oh i want a super serious survival sim where i'm role-playing other people really don't want that they want you know spider-man mud crabs they want almost the tank engine know. dragons that's a, exactly that's a favorite yep i mean when you can't put thomas the tank engine in a game is it really a game uh oh shoot i should have thought of that um i'm gonna have to find a place to put thomas the tank <laughs> just just oh, pop an it. easter egg and you hit the right combination of buttons and you see, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. You see thomas just fly through a window <laughs> you land on the moon first thing you see dun, 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 dun. Yes. Yes. I'll just, write that down like, right now. Write that down right now. Like you, like you said, you've got time to get that in there. You're in an early development. So just, just swing that. It'd be fine. It'd be great. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure licensing with Thomas the Tank Engine won't be an issue at no. all. Absolutely not. No. That's no, it's not. it's ancient. It's it's in the public domain, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It'd be fine. Um. So so going forward, like I said, you're you're in an early development. What what, what kind of stage? Are you at and like where like I mean, you said you're starting a Kickstarter soon? You you recently mm -hmm. delayed. Um. Uh, where where do you go from there to from there to kind of finished? I mean, I know sure. game development is a roller coaster that's totally unpredictable. But what's the what, what's what's kind of the laid out stages in your head that you have going um, forward? Yeah. Well, the the bad thing about a Kickstarter, you know, despite the the, the beauty of free money is that you're not able to plan things down so well because you don't know how much money you're getting beforehand, right? So you have to have these multiple, like this accordioning sort of plan of, uh, all right, how big will we make this game depending on how much funding we get? Right now, just to as a snapshot of where we're at, 
we have an art director, we have a composer who's writing an original score for us. Awesome. Uh, we have, you know, advisors. We have a science advisor. We have a game design advisor. We have a programmer. We have a designer. We have a 3D artist. That's the whole team. Um, so we have a ton of pre-production done. Planning what the game will be, how we'll develop it, uh, the art style, right? The art direction, the musical style, the the plan, right? Uh, and pre-production for people who aren't game developers can usually be around 20% of development. Um, and I would say we're at 15% of development because we're not able to fully finish out pre-production not knowing how big the game will be based on the, the Kickstarter funding. Based we're shooting funding, for a goal yeah. around $40,000, and that can sound like a lot, but if you really think about it, like for a year and a half development, that's that's not the salary of one person, right? No, I was gonna say that's that's like for for a year's worth of work. That's that's yeah, that's that's not much at all considering like you have to take in other costs and pay exactly. pay people. Um, so very far, you know, we are everyone on this team currently has another job. Um, we're all just doing this because we're passionate about it. So forty thousand dollars is just enough to pay our bills while we make the game if we're putting our own savings into it that's that's the situation we're in wow and right. at the start of my career i'm kind of fine with this you know what i mean like yeah i'm getting an educational experience for myself in in a way that you cannot get anywhere else um and besides i really don't want to work i don't know for some triple a where i won't feel like i'm making the the impact i could have with this game uh when i saw how people were enjoying with this game and how people were connecting with the history of it when we were prototyping it i was just like no that's it i want to do this i really would regret not doing this so yeah. that's where i am that's where we are it's good to see it. I, I, I've only really started talking to a lot of indie developers recently. As I said, of kind of diving into that world of like this, what what seems like an endless pool of people making these really individual and beautiful games. Um, it's, it's it's really cool to like hear stuff from people like yourself and different experiences because this is stuff I I never would have known um, beforehand because you know I'm I'm not in game development. I've never even looked at making a game. I can't even fucking code. You know. <laughs> um i'm just i'm just the guy that cooks food and and talks shit on the internet um which is which is fine <laughs> it um is. yeah i mean like thank you for exploring the site and showing it to people um i think it's fascinating like honestly uh but i'm kind of biased uh i you know oh. i'm surprised there isn't a lot more making of videos for games and especially indie games because like these are the interesting stories of people like really struggling to make something you know right i think the only the only one that it's kind of there there was one on netflix that was like um it wasn't like the games that made us but it was like a history of games like i don't know what it was called though oh yeah um the one that goes like starts at uh starts with pong and then has a ton of guests throughout the episodes right yeah, and it kind of works its way up through Doom and kind of the age of video yeah. games. Um, I think it's called like, that... the history of video games or something. Uh, something like no, that. It was a cool um, show. My professor was on that show. It was, it was a, oh, it was a great cool. time. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think like, yeah, like that's about the only like, this is how video games kind of came to be. Thing like you don't see like many documentaries on like how games are made and like what goes into them. Um, may maybe here's what you do: you sign a Netflix deal. Just real quick call the people and say oh, look <laughs> i've got this idea for a documentary and it's a fund all right uh <laughs> hmm. Hmm. i don't know i feel like i would have to live a much more dramatic life than i'm that i'm comfortable with to make a compelling documentary and it's dramatic i mean look at look at reality tv reality tv for a second surely it's not it's it's never 
football that bad. You can just like mm. do like what you're okay. normally doing, and just do. It I'm with sure extra that's a very drama. good point. I'm, I don't like, really yeah. watch reality TV. That's not my that's not my cup of tea. So me neither. I'm, really I'm just going on what okay. I see from gifts like clips on the internet. You know, it's um, but everything always looks like there's something happening all the time. So you just like you just make extra shit up, like you know someone steals the coding for your game and you have to go and like <laughs> steal it back and make all these weird midnight shady deals to like get your game up and running and have have people quit for no reason and true, i'm sure it'll be fine manufactured drama yeah we can exactly absolute perfection. but honestly making a game is hard enough like you're asking me to have a business have a game and a relationship and a reality tv show at the same time come on you seem like someone that can be the, 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 that's well, well driven has a good work drive so um, you'll, be, you'll be fine you'll be right <laughs> um but Mads, thank you thank you so much for for coming on and, and having this conversation with me it's it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and hear your story and um hear about your game as well which um i'm, I'm kind of looking forward to now i want to get in there and just like cause chaos because it's kind of how i roll with most video games <laughs> awesome that's great to hear i mean thanks for having me on so much and thanks for you know not just having me on but having other indies on and listening hey, to man, I, I, ende I endeavor to do it more there's like I said, there's, there's interesting stories out there out there i'm like i mean i never thought this would lead with I, I make educational games for a living in museums so we're off to off, oh it, it started off great it's fantastic um for those for those listening at home um where can where can people find you and your stuff and and follow apollo and learn more about it well we're most of our presence is on twitter but that's okay if you don't have twitter only two percent of the world's population has twitter uh you can find us on twitter or facebook at apollo exp um and that will lead you to our website our trailers our everything we have a demo that's up right now for free download on windows but soon we're going to totally update that demo and have it be much more beautiful and amazing um and have it also for mac so if you're interested in checking that out follow us give it a try and uh hang on for that kickstarter campaign where you can uh make some purchases excellent excellent um uh, we'll also have all those links in the show notes below and once you get that kickstarter started let me know and um we'll be sure to, to get word out to the people that are interested and we may even we may even talk about once you get this once we get this out we can talk about this in retrospect and we can come back have another conversation about how the rest of the the gaming development journey went for you when you get there absolutely i'm down i appreciate excellent. that sounds sounds good um ladies and gentlemen Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to find the podcast, you should know if you've been listening for now, I mean, it's 134 episodes, you know where to find us. Twitter at left underscore pod, Instagram, two left thumbs podcast, and our YouTube content is at two left thumbs dot online, or you can search two left thumbs on YouTube and you may have to search for it a little bit because there's another channel out there that's more popular and cool than us, but we don't care. Fantastic content. So you should come watch us. As everyone, thank you for listening. Matt's, Thanks so much for joining me and um, and having a chat. Uh, I look forward to getting your demo because of some chaos. Um, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. Chat at you next week. Bye.